I think we've turned leadership into an expectation that it's about having the loudest voice and having all the answers. And that is just not what I believe to be true. I believe it's actually, in fact, the opposite. Through expanding the collective consciousness, we can get to a place where it's not about being the loudest or feeling as though we have to have all the answers. There's humanity where there's alignment between our behaviors and beliefs. And in recognizing that we don't have all the answers, nor are we supposed to, we create space for humanity and for consciousness. This is Devon Brooks. Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. We are here to shift the paradigm of business and marketing and social media in this digital age of infinite possibility and bridge our inner technology, our intuition with outer technology through rituals, personal development tools, conscious business practices, spiritual tools, and the magical tool of social media. I am your host, Xenia, storyteller, conscious social media teacher, speaker, and a multidimensional traveler. Welcome to the new paradigm. Welcome back to Woken Wired. I am your host, Xenia, and today we're talking all about transformational coaching. The concept of coaching stems from executive coaching that was widespread in big corporations 40 years ago. And today it's becoming such a huge tool for people's personal development, career growth, and really taking big leaps in every area of your life. Sometimes I look around on Instagram and it seems like everyone is a coach. And the thing is, the industry is not regulated, which on the one hand is fantastic because there is not bureaucracy that is preventing people from getting help. But on the other side of it, that means that anyone can call themselves a coach. In my experience, coaching has had an absolutely profound role in my business and in my personal life, in the possibilities I see for myself, in the way I show up and interact with people, with coworkers, with people I hire, really absolutely everything that I do in life. Some of the ways that I have worked with personal coaches is through finding people at gatherings, let's say meditation retreats and yoga retreats that were like-minded, finding out that they're a coach or they are taking on mentees and getting support that way and having weekly calls with a coach where I would share everything that is going on in my experience and areas where I see space for expansion, challenges and blockages and limiting beliefs and having a safe place to express all of that and be reflected to me has been absolutely profound. Someone who validates or challenges me to think bigger and someone who helps me see the bigger picture. Another way to experience coaching is through group programs. So one of the ways that I have experienced it in group setting is Landmark. Landmark is a personal development company that is could be actually the world's biggest personal development company because they have representation in many different countries and cities, and they run many different programs but they teach techniques and tools that you can just keep applying over and over and over, both to your personal life, to your business life, and to projects that matter. There's a lot of nonprofit projects with really good intentions and incredible impact that came out of the tools and systems that people have learned at Landmark. And one of them is the Are You Okay Day? which is a day that is supposed to create space to talk about mental health. Group coaching is something that I offer as part of the Conscious Social Media Program when I run it live. And there's something truly magical that happens when there's a safe container with like-minded people and someone finds the courage and vulnerability to show up and to ask questions and be challenged. And in that safe space, gets to explore the answers that are already within. 
through me as the guide, as the facilitator, guiding the conversation. Whenever anyone asks me how to grow on social media, how to build an online presence, and how to create impact and how to get known and seen, one of the top pieces of advice I always bring into the space is go and invest in yourself. Personal development and personal growth are an essential foundation for the growth of your business. So if you haven't done that yet, or you know that you're ready for the next step of your personal evolution, and you're just itching and ready for someone to come in and hold your hand and support you through taking that next big leap, I highly recommend that you start tuning into who the next right coach or mentor or teacher is for you because that's how we truly move forward and create community. I actually just booked myself to go on a meditation retreat at Kripalu this weekend with my first meditation teacher who I studied with years ago in 2013 probably, David Harshida Wagner, who is an incredible meditation teacher. His work is available on the app Glow. And I have traveled to India with him on a pilgrimage and have some profound experiences behind my back because of him. Perhaps one day I will share some of them more with you, some of those glimpses into states of oneness and universal beauty and belonging like I had never experienced before. I didn't even know it was possible. All through just awareness, presence, meditation, and some chanting as well. The reason I got so riled up about coaching is because my guest today is Devin Brooks. Devin is the founder and CEO of Sphere, which is a technology company for coaching that is on a mission to democratize and innovate the coaching industry. Devin is a serial entrepreneur who co-founded North America's original blow-dry bar when she was only 20. She got catapulted in a leadership position when she was very young and she was hiring and scaling teams who were mostly peers or people of the same age as her and older. At the same time, she was going through court cases after being raped and later attacked in her own home. She sought out guidance to continue to grow not only as a business leader, but in other aspects of her life. Since then, she's had many coaches over the course of her career and has had her first-hand experience on how powerful and transformational coaching conversations are. Devon is a coach herself and a big believer in using curiosity as the most important value of leadership. We talk about expanding consciousness using social media in this conversation, about being more intentional with how we approach our relationship with the digital world. We talk about business as a vessel for impact. Devon explains some history of coaching, what it is, how to choose a coach, and how coaching can support proactive well-being. Devon shares the big vision that she has for her company's fear and also gives us a glimpse into how she manages being a mom of two kids, a wife, a daughter, and a founder, and what kind of questions she asks herself to stay present in this complex kaleidoscope of relationships. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do too. And I would love to hear the takeaways that you have. Please share them on social media, tag at Woke and Wired so I can see them and share them. And if you haven't yet left a rating and review for the podcast on iTunes, please do so. All right, here is Devin Brooks. Enjoy the conversation. Instagram is where most of us spend our time when it comes to social media. And I find it fascinating how Instagram and social media can be just a tool to connect with people who otherwise would be strangers to be inspired to see what's possible for us. And I also find it very interesting how people write their bios and what people decide to spotlight in the most important real estate when it comes to social media. So Devin, I have your Instagram profile open. And if you guys want to follow along, it's Dev's Development. I'm going to have it linked in the show notes as well. 
And what your bio says, and by the way, heads up, a lot of people get shocked when I read it out loud because a lot of people just write it at some point and then forget what's on there. Okay, so yours is founder plus CEO of Sphere is here. There's a little UFO emoji, co-founder of Blow Hearts You, hashtag social justice advocate, registered yoga teacher, 200 hours. And the best part, the, the is spelled as D-A, mama to Rosin and Clooney, and little baby emojis, or I should say not baby, kids. <laughs> All right, so why don't we start with the aliens? What are they doing in your bio? I'm you know, really, really interested in the idea of exploration. And I like the idea of space and UFOs and aliens because it really reminds us to think sort of above and beyond our usual way of reflection and self-discovery. I love that. Okay. Um, let's see, what other part do you want to address? Or why don't we just jump into, besides this fascinating bio that has so many little puzzle pieces we're going to get into, what is it that you do on a day-to-day basis? Well, lots of time with Rosen and Clooney, who are my children, three and five years old, a little girl and a little boy um, in the mornings and nights during the week. And of course, lots of gallivanting in the woods on the weekend. And spending my time growing my new startup, Sphere, which is an app we've launched to democratize coaching. And so it's really reimagining the way guidance is accessed and delivered. We kind of see ourselves as the class pass of personal growth. Mm, I'm a big fan of class pass. And I'm so interested to get more into this because I feel like every other person on Instagram now says they're a transformational coach. And Hey, no judgment there. I do similar work myself. I work with people and I coach them and I guide them. But I personally have always had a resistance to the word coach. And I know a lot of people who are in the same boat in terms of calling yourself a coach, you know, like how do you label your work? So I'm curious in your experience, what is transformational coaching? And does the word transformational add something different than just coaching? Huh, that's a really good question. You know, What many people don't realize is really the history of coaching. And coaching is about 40 years old formally. And the idea of coaching was really grounded in leadership and executive coaching. So thinking about individuals as leaders. And the first place that we've really considered that is definitely at work. That's where coaching the industry really started as it relates to personal and professional development. And over the last really five to 10 years, as we have seen and felt the rise of the global mental health crisis, and we've seen stress and anxiety rise, we've really witnessed and statistics all point in the direction of a movement towards proactive well-being and incorporation of tools and experiences in our day-to-day lives as, you know, regular people that support us in self-assessment and self-regulation so that we can, you know, live and experience life optimally and full-heartedly. And so I think what's interesting is as coaching was founded sort of in the career executive leadership realm in the 90s and early 2000s, you started to see the incorporation of a sort of other associated words to further segment or to be more distinctive and stand out from who were known as career executive or leadership coaches. And so of late, the new kind of phrase we've seen is transformational. When the reality is coaching, effective coaching is inherently transformational. And so I think that, you know, it's a nice word for everyday people to see and feel as they maybe talk to coaches, the reality is that good coaching, all coaching should be transformational. And and that's really what it's about. It's about embracing what is the one thing you can count on in life, which is change and evolution. And coaching is an extraordinary tool to equip us, us with the ability to be supported in those day-to-day motions and movements and considerations of the present and the future. 
You mentioned effective coaching. What is the definition and how do you measure effective coaching? (laughs) Really good question. So generally, when you look at sort of studies and statistics from institutes like Harvard around sort of the efficacy or effectiveness of coaching, you really look at increase in resilience and optimism and confidence the inherent traits in somebody who is has an increased propensity and aptitude for living life well and having a sense of well-being. And so those are the inherent traits in an individual who has a higher rates of lifelong well-being. And those are the kinds of things that you would be tracking in effective coaching. Really the feeling both in the moment and on a continuum, and then how behaviors change, how language changes are all really good ways of looking at the effectiveness of coaching. Mm. So you've taken on a big mission to democratize coaching. It must have really had a big impact on your life. So what was your story of how you got into coaching and why you seeked out that help? And why did you specifically go to coaching and not therapy or other healing modalities, support modalities and personal growth modalities? Yeah. So I think the assumption is that it's one over the other. And my experience has been historically that As a young leader and young woman, an emergent woman in my early 20s, I had had a couple of pretty uncomfortable and traumatic experiences as I entered adulthood and as I entered business ownership and leadership where I founded my first company, Blow Blow Dry Bar, which went on to spark the fastest growing category in beauty, blow dry bars, over the next decade. So we were the very first ever blow dry bar, and we really, really felt the pull in the first year, both from franchise requests, team growth, even the moment we you know, opened our doors, we had a double page spread in Hello Magazine, and there was a ton of excitement in, in this new space starting to grow. Part of that was that success was ensuring that you know, I was set up as an individual to be the most optimal that I could be. And going through the experience of becoming a leader and a business owner whilst also recovering from and experiencing the effects of trauma, I was utilizing a ton of resources, meditation, yoga, you know, Eastern medicine, Western medicine. So medication, therapy, you name it. I was trying it. I was definitely uh, feeling the magnitude of the effects of trauma. And I was also a young leader and co-founder and business owner running a team and scaling a business with my team. And coaching was one of those tools. Now, I was actually brought into the world by a coach. My mom is an extraordinary coach and she is actually bookable in Sphere. So you might just get matched with her if you download the Sphere app. And so I was brought in the world by a coach. I grew up around that vernacular. You know, we had um, straight talks. We focused on communication and conflict resolution. And I really understood the benefits of that kind of communication. Although there was, you know, I'd say average to be expected teenage resistance to what works until I became a young leader. And all of a sudden I realized, you know, I had had this incredible exposure to something that was such a force of positivity and of change. And so at a time that it was very important in my life, I started to utilize coaching and see the impacts of coaching in my team and with my co-founders. And so Over the next six years, as I experienced this more and more, it became a big part of my life, my vernacular, my work. And eventually when we negotiated an exit out of that first business, I had really my my first career transformation in my adult life in my mid-late 20s as I sold my first business and became a leadership and life coach. It's kind of by popular demand and started coaching across Canada, the US and Mexico. And I did that for six years. I had my babies. I met my husband first and had Rosen and Clooney. 
and spent my time coaching and working um, pretty much exclusively through my smartphone until I saw and felt all of the same pain points in the coaching space that I did in the blow dry and beauty Mm, space. Which are what? Yeah. So it was like pricing was the wild, wild west. You could find a coach for 60 bucks. You could find a coach for a thousand dollars an hour if you're in New York or London, England, or even LA. And, you know, the service offerings were all over the place. Menus were really confusing. And generally because coaches were all alone in their tiny practices, they were creating menus that really serviced the scalability of their personal practice versus what Mm. was best for the client. Really good intention, but it's just hard being sort of like a glorified consultant and you go into this work to support learning and development and growth and you end up having to, you know, do accounting and maintenance and management and biz dev and all of these things that coaches didn't want to do. And that was resulting in an increased cost of coaching. And so I realized that there was a huge opportunity to really reimagine the delivery model, the pricing, the format of how coaching was offered so that it was more reflective of the kind of experiences we're used to having in relation to our well-being, like going to the gym. And and so we created a membership-based model that makes coaching super inviting, accessible, and affordable, ranging from kind of $90 a month up to $288 a month or our non-annual membership, which is the Boost and, and is about $360 up front over three months. And what that does is it means that you get credits to be able to spend on your best fit guides and you take an assessment, you get matched with those who are best fits for you, your needs and your journey. And then you have the ability to work with all kinds of coaches on the same membership. So you might start being really, really focused on career and leadership and business, and then you know becoming emergent into relationships and spirituality and health, and you have all of those guides in sphere on the same end-to-end membership. Do you find that usually it's best to focus on one area, or is it most effective when you just show up to the coaching sessions and you're open to being coached both on your business and your personal life, because ultimately they're so interconnected? Mm -hmm. Yeah, really good question. So definitely what is business and what is personal is generally fairly synonymous, but there's all kinds of different training, specializations, and certifications. The challenge is we as consumers, we don't know what type of coach necessarily we need. We just know what we want to get into or how we want to feel. And so those are actually the things that we look at when you download the app and take your assessment. And so we don't make you get caught up in the type of coach that you're working with. What we make sure is that you're working with the right person for your needs. And as your needs evolve, you'll be able to access new and different coaches or work with coaches simultaneously for you know different areas of focus. And what we've seen is that that agility and variety and also the natural churn that's inherent in these kinds of relationships is really something that we can cater to in this kind of a model. How does one even begin to select coaches for this? Because like you said, it is the wild, wild west. It's unregulated. And there's so many coaches out there. And like you said, you know, I know people who charge up to $100,000 a year. Some people charge a hundred bucks a session. There's so many different ways to do it. How do you go about selecting those coaches and how do you make sure they're aligned with your mission and what you want to offer to your customers? Yeah, really good question. Um, so we are really focused on building an ecosystem that's highly engaged and really focused on productivity in the experience as well as integrity. And so what that means for us is we're method agnostic, meaning that we don't specifically think there's one type of certification that's best. And what that means is that there's so much variety and diversity in the ecosystem of coaches that we are curating. We've specifically built the model the way that we have because we have no intention of being yet another, you know, directory for coaches. There are those. They generally are really confusing. They they take a lot of time for the 
potential coach E to discern, work through tens and tens and tens of pages and hundreds of coaches who could be best fits. Um, and then, you know, there's also things like Craigslist and we have no desire to be the Craigslist of coaches. We're really focused on a high integrity curated ecosystem of guides. And in all of our research and development, what we learned in interviewing hundreds of coaches was that generally the price per hour has very little to do with a coach's average annual income. So we have tons of different types of coaches on Sphere. We also have coaches with varying price points. And the reality is there are coaches who charge $100 an hour because they're mission-centric. They're aligned in, in our mission of democratizing coaching who have the same certifications, training, and even years of experience as coaches who charge 10 times that. And so it is generally pretty arbitrary, which is why the space is emergent and becoming more streamlined and regulated now. And that's sort of part of the, the natural process in industries becoming really emergent and formulaic. So why would a coach choose to go through Sphere versus, for example, using Instagram to create their own presence, their own following and their own clients? I would assume it's because there's reliability and a lot of the technical things are taken care of, but I'd love to hear from your end, what is it? Yeah, really good question. Well, you know, in my experience, again, in sort of looking at hundreds of coaches from across North America and around the world of some of the most experienced coaches that I have come to know, I would say less than 5% of them are good at or care about Instagram and social media. So, so number one is generally the generation of people that we're seeing who are really focused on this work, they don't want to be doing business development managing Instagram feeds, spending their time on social media. They want to be in the work with the people. And in our research and development, we learned that the average coach was spending 20 to as much as 40% of their time each week on biz dev, maintenance, and management. So, you know, generating in new interests, new clients, following up on current clients, managing schedules, invoicing, calendaring, but most of all, business development. And so that was hugely contributing. When you think about the idea that 40% of your time goes to something that doesn't directly generate revenue of your working hours, you have to account for that in the cost of those working hours. And so with Sphere, we can make coaching so much more accessible and affordable to the person who wants to grow and have the experience and give those guides back all of that time they used to spend on business, maintenance and management and energy and money doing things that they ultimately don't want to be doing. So that's really the value add to guides is they get best fit clients through a vetted, trusted ecosystem. They get a diverse and wide range of seekers to work with. <laughs> that's what we call clients. What that means is they're supported in, in their practice and able to spend more of that time executing sessions and helping people grow, which is what coaches get paid for. It's kind of like listing your apartment on Airbnb instead of on Craigslist. <laughs> 100%. That's a great analogy. There's an ecosystem where there's accountability, there's ratings, things are public. And I think overall, there's more peace of mind going into it because you're not just signing a contract with someone you just met, but there's a system and accountability and integrity within that. So I can really see that. That's cool. That's Yeah, I think that's a really, really great analogy. And the thing that we've done in, in our model is kind of like ClassPass, we have a credits-based system. And so there's no decision fatigue or discernment on the consumer side for the person who wants to grow as to who costs what or why. So all of our coaches are paid out on the back end direct from Sphere for sessions executed, which means that there's no bartering between seeker and guide. There's no even discussion about money. They get right to the good stuff right away. And that was really important to us because it was taking a lot of time and discernment for both seekers and guides. So cool. So you are a coach and you're also very much immersed in the 
business side of sphere right now. I'm curious if we shift into your personal experience with coaching and being coached, what are some things that happen in those calls that have been the most transformative for you, whether you share them as revelations or as techniques or tools, what are some things that have been the most effective in your life? I would say that the most of the the magic happens before and after sessions with a coach. And that's definitely true for my experience with coaching. The conversations themselves are incredibly motivating, distilling, sometimes hard. And it's really in the percolation and in the incorporation of what we learn from our sessions that we grow. And then being able to come back to sessions on a continuum is what helps me stay accountable to my growth and development. So it is really doing both. It's kind of like working with a personal trainer in that way. Sure. You know, I could walk into the gym and swing rates, weights around and like kind of know what I'm doing. But the reality is I'm not getting, putting the same level of effort in. I'm not having the same level of experience. I'm not getting pushed on my technique and challenged and made to go further and dig deeper, which is really what happens with personal and professional coaching. And what are your thoughts on pricing? Because you are in a mission to democratize, that also means make coaching more affordable. From experience, I've seen that there's a big group of people, and these might not be your clients, who tend to show up with more presence and commitment and accountability when the price is actually higher, whether that's coaching or an online product or anything along those lines. Yeah, I I agree with you in that sort of all studies show that when any person pays any amount of money for an experience, we value that experience more. And so if we sort of take the amounts out of the equation, we know that when we have an exchange and we make a financial commitment to an experience, we actually value that experience more. And that's true for all things. And so as it relates to coaching, the in our mission of democratizing coaching, it hasn't successfully made coaching cheap. So it's not, you know, you can't, we couldn't say that it is cheapening coaching or, or even, even making it accessible to all because that's part of the long-term mission. And in democratizing coaching, it's about making this experience available to a deeper and wider demographic than it has historically been, which has generally been really exclusive and really only for high performers or people who make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And that's resulted in stigma around this experience, which says, hey, this you know, personal and professional growth is only for people who make X or do X. And the reality is that's not true. So in creating this model that makes it you know, more open and accessible and even more affordable, we live our mission of democratizing coaching. That to say, it is still a commitment, no different than signing up for Equinox Fitness for a really beautiful gym that gives you all the tools you need is a commitment and it's not cheap, but, you know, or class pass or, or seeing massage therapists on the regular, you know, our pricing is generally in line with, with each of those experiences and therein has really transform the coaching space, which has been before really elusive and arbitrary. So in making pricing more clear and transparent, we hope that we're able to fulfill our mission of democratizing coaching. And we recognize, as I said before, that it's still not cheap. And we, we realize that our mission of democratizing coaching, we still aren't making this for every single person on the planet. But we hope that this is the beginning of bringing this experience to a much wider and much deeper audience. So this guides us into the hashtag social justice advocate. You know, we're talking about democratizing, making it more accessible. Besides pricing, what are some other ways that you as a founder, as a coach yourself, think about making coaching more accessible and inviting in people that otherwise might have not considered it? Yeah, really great question. So 
For me, social justice is about challenging and, and changing systems which are oppressive in any way to any people and hinder humanity, growth, development, and equality. And definitely fueled and stemmed from my own personal experiences as a young woman, having had having had the kind of challenges and trauma that we just don't wish to see for the world. And what that's meant for me in business is I want to see and use business as a vessel for impact. And for me, that's where social justice sort of comes alive and is omnipresent and should be omnipresent in all that we do, even if it's a seed, even if it's a filter on our decisions, whether it's hiring or the way we structure our business models or you know, building out a triple bottom line. And so the way that I'm thinking about this industry and how I hope that Sphere can be a part of equality and diversity and inclusion and care for humanity is in looking at the ways in which we can grow this experience to a wider and deeper audience, both on the receiving end of guidance, so as the seeker, and also as the guide. You know, it goes without saying, I think, that well-being is an inherently white space. It is also an incredibly privileged consideration for an individual to be in the modality of of thinking about our well-being versus thinking about survival, which is still where most of the world spends their time. And so in that recognition, what I'm hoping and challenging ourselves to be able to do is to think about the ways in which we can we can make guidance more accessible as the receiver and also to make the experience of becoming a guide more accessible and in the future, I think that's going to look like a lot of things. But right now, what it is, is a filter upon which we make decisions as a business. Mm, I wrote that down. I want to, to use business as a vessel for impact. I love that. Thank you. So, you know, we're talking about well-being, personal development, coaching. Can we just for a second say out loud that you co-founded your first business with your mom when you were 21? So you're not joking <laughs> when you said you got into a leadership position early on. And I love how you kept stressing that you weren't just a co-founder, a business person, an entrepreneur, but you really were leaning on the, world, the word leader. So I'm curious, what are some things besides coaching that on your journey have propelled your spiritual growth, your personal growth, your human growth, your growth as a mom, as a wife, as a citizen? Oh, that's a good question. You gave me goosebumps. I hope that what I'm role modeling is that leadership is actually just a continual act of service. So often when we think of leadership, we think of power. And when we think of those two things together, we think of being the boss or being able to be in control of people and situations to have the loudest voice in the room. And yeah, sure, in some scenarios, those things happen, but that's not how leaders are born. And that is not inherently what I believe defines a leader. For me, I look at leadership as as doing whatever I can to not be the loudest person in the room, to not be occupying the most space, but instead to use my opportunities and my platform to create space and room for other people and other voices, and then to elevate those voices by being of service in whatever and all ways that I can. Wow, that's so powerful. And I think it applies so much to today's digital world, world, word and world. Those are two words I mix up in my mouth. <laughs> in the digital world, because a lot of the marketing and branding experts say, you know, you you have to have a powerful personal brand, have to put yourself out there and share yourself out there. And from building multiple digital platforms over the past 15 years myself, I noticed that the most fulfillment I get is not even when I post something and 100 people resonate and say change their life and they took action on it. But when I'm able to give my platform to share 
voices that are sharing thoughts that I might have never even thought myself. And through that, expand consciousness of everyone who comes in touch with it and expands what people think is possible for them. So that's such a powerful reminder. And I'm so grateful that you brought it back to community. Oh my gosh. I'm grateful for you for asking the question and for sharing in this conversation with me. I think that we are funny as a society. It's easiest to place blame on others. It's easiest to shout and to be loud. Uh, It's much more difficult to be discerning, to find the right moments to use our voice rather than to be shouting at the top of our lungs. We get tired that way. We get defeated that way. And I think that it is in considering the most meaningful ways in which we can use our energy, our platform, our voices to, to elevate each other that we exemplify leadership. Um, it's funny because even last week to one of my team members, I, I was sort of jamming on this with them. I kind of said, hey, I will never have the perfect process for everyone. I will never make all the right decisions for everyone. The best leader I will be is an imperfect leader. And my goal and my hope, though, is that in the process, that my intent is trusted, that meaningful relationships are built, and that along the way, there is learning and development and evolution and transition and thus growth. And so I try to remind myself that every day because, you know, in society, I think we've turned leadership into an expectation that it's about having the loudest voice and having all the answers. And that is just not what I believe to be true. I believe it's actually, in fact, the opposite. So my hope is that, you know, there's more, there's through expanding the collective consciousness, we can get to a place where it's not about being the loudest or feeling as though we have to have all the answers. That is a huge burden to wear, to think that in our relationships, in our communities, in our families, in our teams and companies, we're supposed to have all the answers. I think there's you know, humanity where there's alignment between our behaviors and beliefs and in recognizing that we don't have all the answers, nor are we supposed to we create space for humanity and for consciousness and for questions. I saw that your Twitter says curiosity breeds consciousness. That's right. <laughs> curiosity is the name of the game. I just think that wherever, you know, wherever a statement can be a question, it should be. Wow. If only, well, you're creating this by saying what you just said, you're making it a possibility for everyone listening, including myself, to have more curiosity and It actually gives me, and I hope that a lot of you guys listening, so much relief, that idea of you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to show up honestly and vulnerably and with curiosity. And I'm curious. I'm curious. Good. Yes. (laughs) It's Um, working. (laughs) It's working. Your charm, your curiosity charm has worked on me. So I am curious, though. How does this concept, this new paradigm of curious leadership apply to the digital world, both in your personal relationship with social media, as well as how you see using the digital realm to get Sphere's voice out there and the coach's voices out there? Well, I guess there are a few different ways for me to answer that question and jam on that. I mean, personally, I delete Instagram every weekend and then I re-download it on Mondays. (laughs) So I really look at, at all my social media platforms or feeds as, as a part of the expansion of my own awareness and in my community building. And I want to make sure that those digital forums don't ever replace or surpass the significance of the in the flesh forums with the people who who are are I'm responsible to like my family so for me personally I'm very intentional about when and where I'm using social 
Sometimes it means I have breaks and hiatuses. <laughs> and that's just me. I don't think there's one right way to do social. That's really me managing my own energy. I spend a lot of time with people online and on the phone and in the world. And so it's really important for me that on the weekends and in the evenings is time for quiet and connection with my family and closest friends. In terms of um, social media and work and using social to, to seed and facilitate these kinds of dialogues, I mean, gosh, it's so powerful. It is such a really, you know, incomparable way to be able to connect with people you otherwise wouldn't have connected with and to reach more deeply and more widely. And so I think using social media is really, really critical for our mission of democratizing coaching. And for us, it'll be really about using it for storytelling versus for, you know, look at our new shiny products and how great are we and how cool is our mission? <laughs> and instead to really be more actively engaging the stories of seekers, of guides, to be exploring the future of self-improvement. And we have a bunch of plans up our sleeves for what that's going to look like in the coming months. But what I will say is that I think it's absolutely an essential tool for our mission. That's not true for every single business, but it definitely is for us. Can I just say, I'm so in joy from how eloquently you put together thoughts. <laughs> very, very pleasant. So how you just compartmentalize things and put them together so beautifully that it's actually easier to perceive complex ideas. Wow, that is a huge compliment. Thank you so much. All right. We don't have a lot of time, so I want to stay on track. <laughs> because I have to go to the airport. <laughs> you do. That's right. So the question that I actually got from the audience was, because you you are a founder, you're a CEO, your mom, your wife, the question that comes up for me is how do you find balance and harmony between all of them? And the question from the audience is, how do you keep your marriage woke? <laughs> oh, man. So personally, I, in terms of my relationships with my family, with my husband, my parents, my children, I time and conversation, like depth of conversation is really important for me. It's, it's not just you know, we all have different love languages. <laughs> it's not just quality time. It really is about access service. It really is about the depth of dialogue. Um, so those are really important ways where when I start to feel lost or disheartened or defeated or deflated is when those things aren't happening. You know, it is part of nipping that in the bud and, get, and getting ahead of those things is naming your your needs and understanding the needs of others and trying to find the imperfect ways in which we can you know meet as best as possible those needs but not to expect in the process that all of our needs will be met all of the time so i think that my partnership with my husband is really important to me we've been together 7 going on 8 years it has been ripe with heart, with the deepest of, of dialogues in uncovering our shadows through conversation. And it has also been ripe with complex challenges, sometimes that are about each other and how we react or respond, uh, sometimes about the tough things that we're dealing with, with other family members or work or insecurity. And my intention is always to look at relationships as emergent and to be responsible as best I can to, to those commitments I've made in my relationships. And so for me, that's really the filter is about duty and responsibility and continuing to ask myself the question, am I having the experience I want to have? And if yes, great. What am I doing right? And if not, okay, what's the plan? To hire a coach on Sphere, obviously. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> you know, there's so much awareness. It really sounds like 
the answer to any of the topics we've covered and any imbalances in those areas of life that anyone might be experiencing is really awareness because that's the first step. If we don't acknowledge that something is not working, whether that's in our lives, in our businesses, or in our society, then it's we're not going to move the needle. And I can really see how coaching can be powerful for that, even from just conversations in, in my own life, whether that's with friends or with coaches. I know that having a presence of someone that I trust and look up to, sometimes just them listening to me and reflecting back to me what I'm saying just brings a whole new level of presence and awareness that I would never be able to achieve in my own head. So I'm very, very excited on a personal level about what you're doing with Sphere. Oh, thank you so much. I I really appreciate that. And it's been a joy to be connected to each other by a woman who's near and dear to our hearts. Shout out to Jasmine. (laughs) So Devin, before you jump to the airport, is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you feel called to share? Oh, I really enjoyed this conversation and it's the perfect thing to do before I take flight. I would definitely just love to remind people that, as you said, it's curiosity that breeds consciousness and that although we've been led to believe that life is about answers, it's actually about questions. And I hope Sphere is here to support you in that. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on WokenWired.com and also join the WokenWired podcast listener Facebook group. It's a private group where you can connect with people who are like-minded and say hello on Instagram. Find me at Woke and Wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now.